Hello everyone, welcome back to Astro Hotline. So today is going to be an interesting episode because I'm finally going to be starting my sort of mini-series on looking on celebrity charts and kind of giving you um, an analysis on them. I think this is a good opportunity to kind of see how I do charts and how, you know, how you, if you're a beginner, can start taking notes and really getting an idea on how we synthesize a chart in terms of like a natal chart. So I want to make a, a disclaimer that I don't know Ariana personally, and there are going to be certain details that it's like an if and an or, there's positive and there's always negative manifestations of certain stuff. Um, and I also want to make it clear that um, this is not me saying that this is exactly how she acts at all. This is just me kind of giving you in an astrological perspective of her character through her birth chart, kind of giving you her conditions. And what I really like about her chart is the house setup is the same as mine. So she also has a Capricorn rising, a Scorpio midheaven, and um, that's a really powerful sort of combination as well. So yeah, let's let's get started. So for one, what I love about her chart is that she has a Cancer Sun and a Libra Moon. And so what this means is that there is this really strong um, trait of putting others before herself and kind of worrying about the other rather than solely herself. So for one... A cancer sun, that is sort of her external expression. That's how, you know, that's sort of her core. Um, and she ultimately expresses herself in a very humble, in a very, um, in a very nurturing type way. When we think of cancer, we think of nurturing, but more specifically, we think of sort of molding, you know, through that nurturing and giving that emotional comfort and ultimately you know giving the sweet disposition because you know since they're so so homebody they seem very familiar to you especially if you know you do a synastry and there's you know aspects related to the moon it kind of gives us sense of familiarity right like you've seen this person before and so you know a lot of cancer individuals a lot of cancer stellums they tend to sort of exert this really personal energy that makes people want to open up to them and um the sun is in the sixth house so and that's where cancer is also placed in so it seems like the home because we relate cancer um to the home um is an important aspect in recharging herself in terms of health and being comfortable and where she shines the most her Libra moon also, again, reiterates putting others before yourself because Libra is all about the other. It opposes the sign of the self, Aries. So a Libra moon typically feels emotions of the other rather than themselves. So it's really hard for Libra moon natives to kind of separate how they feel from their own bodies from other people's bodies you know it's very atmosphere dependent so if the atmosphere is very tense then the libra moon is going to feel tense if the person that they're with is feeling very sad 
they themselves going to feel very sad. So it's kind of like, um, it's really interesting because, you know, it's an air sign, but in some ways it kind of, you know, soaks up a lot of energy as if, you know, a Pisces would or um, in that type of regard. And it's in the ninth house. So when the ninth house sort of represents an exploration. And so <laughs> people always get on Ariana for kind of entering these relationships. And that's purely her business. Um, people who get upset about that or they have something else to work on their part. But there's so, there seems to be sort of an exploration of feelings through partnerships, through social gatherings. Um, and she just kind of needs someone there. You know what I mean? Because that's how that energy flows. And this combination of Cancer Sun, Libra Moon indicates a lot of creativity. Indicates someone who you know, is very thoughtful, can come across as somewhat superficial because Libra moons love to be likable and ultimately they sort of prioritize the need to be likable or the need to be diplomatic rather than being um, authentic. So she has a Capricorn rising and this sort of kind of a little bit complicates things because that kind of gives her a very harsh exterior or sort of a harsh outlook on life that doesn't really kind of pop through um it may have been popping when she was growing up and you can see because from my um from my experience she's been working or she's been singing and doing stuff from a very young age and that tends to be sort of a capricorn rising shtick of getting out there and already doing you know work um because saturn is her chart ruler and saturn is also um edging saturn and pluto are both edging near that you know ascendant cusp um so typically a capricorn rising um is ultimately they're kind of given this um i don't like talking about the rising from like the mask perspective or kind of you know the aura but typically capricorn risings can come across as very mean or very bitchy or um and that's not to say that they're actually that way, but because they're so, they're, they're ruled by Saturn and Saturn kind of gives you that mature look, um, which is very interesting because she looks way younger than she actually does because usually Capricorn Risings by appearance look older than they, than how they actually are. Um, and what I think is so, oh wait, never mind. I totally lied. The whole Saturn near the Pluto, Sun that's her transit um uranus and neptune are both near her like right on her first house cusp and so what this means and which is really interesting and it's kind of been a theory that's been sort of ruminating in my head is that you know when we think of first house and that sort of rising it can very much relate to sort of a projection and so with neptune near that cusp um and uranus near that cusp these higher octave planets are kind of dealing with like a structure of our higher structures. And so the, there's sort of this sort of projection of identity because that's what we think of rising is sort of the identity and self in a very high structural way. So basically this just means that, you know, fame and being very well known for a particular, of a particular way. Um, Marilyn Monroe had a Neptune in the first and so her identity and her idea of self is sort of plastered everywhere same thing with Lady Gaga 
Um, and the Neptune in the first house or Uranus in the first house or really any outer planet within that first house are known for a particular way. Not really how they are, but like a particular role or a particular characteristic. And so there's something very definite. There's like a definite feature that you could say, okay, you know, Kim Kardashian also has Neptune and I think some other, I'd have to look at her chart again within the first house. And so with all those people, they're known for a specific feature and people know them very, very quickly. You know, it's sort of like they've, that, that idea of self is, spread in a very very high and expansive way um so yeah she has venus in the fourth and so venus in the fourth and taurus um comfortable home um definitely very like strong feeling towards being at home or with family traditions one that's very in some ways exuberant and very lavish there seems to be a connection of comfort being derived from being at home. So, you know, she's very, you know, in ways, um, she's always being around her mom or around her brother. There's always videos of her at home. And that's just sort of a way that she feels very comfortable. And sometimes she can be too much of a homebody and kind of not wanting to do things but she has to do things so um being too attached to the home is a potential issue when having venus in the fourth because venus is very comfortable and it likes being comfortable um but it also you know in ways that comfort especially within an earth sign can turn to laziness and being very stagnant and um and yeah so let's see she also has um okay so she has moon conjunct jupiter in the ninth house so this is really interesting because when you have personal planets luminaries conjuncting to higher octave planets that kind of creates an issue only because these planets these higher octave planets carry a lot of generational weight that when slammed against a personal planet or slammed against a luminary um creates a lot of an intimacy issue it creates sort of um a potential problem to look out for so for example the moon is sort of you know how we are internally in terms of our internal expression and when we're in private and also um how we give purpose in the world and so when that's conjuncting jupiter there's a lot of purpose there's a lot of responsibility of purpose and seeking out discovery and creative inclusive and inclusivity especially within the ninth house in libra there's always a sense of wanting um everyone to feel loved and to feel like you know respected and the problem with you know the potential issue of a conjunct with moon and jupiter is sort of that excess of 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 too much needs of wanting too much and also naivety that really can sort of um blind you from the potential evil behaviors that some people share because not everyone is going to be squeaky clean and um there's a sense of being too blinded by um that optimism or that um that wanting to give back you know because jupiter is sort of this charitable planet it's more so uh, the excess and taking that excess and sort of giving it in a structural way 
So through charities and through, you know, mass charities and things like that. So um, there can also be a lot of, a lot, a lot of comfort associated with this, right? Because they're two, they're two planets, in my opinion, that like to be very comfortable. And they're both squaring her sun, which is interesting. When you have a sun, square, moon, this is the most simple definition I can give, um, is that your wants and your needs aren't really the same. And there's sort of a dissonance of how you interpret yourself and kind of give meaning to yourself um and it's something that you have to figure out for yourself there's no one else that can do this for you you know it's the work that you have to put in um and what i find really interesting is that you know her music is very it's really fantasy based like a lot of it's very like you know dreamy and i think aspects that could really correlate to that is sort of that moon conjunct jupiter um especially in libra and then you have that uranus and that neptune um trining her venus so that sort of romantic undertones of her songs coming across as very like fantasy like really shines through um i think one of my favorite songs from her moonlight and tattooed heart are really good example of sort of um that kind of like coming together and those i mean a lot of her songs i really love but those are two songs that I think of her ballad section I really admire. Uh, and something to also note is that she has Mars in the 8th. So Mars in the 8th is, um, this is an accidental um, dignification. And so Mars in the 8th is very self-protective. You know, it's in a house where you shield yourself. You know, so people like to think that Scorpios or eighth house individuals are warriors. And it's like, that's not what that means. People often get Scorpio and Aries confused, not intentionally, but through the way they talk about them in conversation, there seems to be dissonance. Aries is a fire sign. It's a very external sign. So its actions are going to be externalized. A Scorpio is internalized, so its actions are not going to be seen as directive. It's also a water sign, so, but it's ruled by Mars, so it creates that potential, like a potential contradiction, but to be honest, it creates sort of a different turn on things. So instead of being the warrior and kind of going in, you know, in people's faces, the Mars in the eighth house tends to be self-protective. It tends to guard itself. You know, it's going to be on the, on the defense, in my opinion. Um, and it's in Virgo. So, you know, it's, let me see, where in Virgo. Um, Mars is in two degrees Virgo. Okay. So I myself have Mars in the 8th, but it's not in Virgo, it's in Libra, but Virgo rules my 8th house because I have an interception thing going on, and so it's really confusing to kind of interpret it fully, but what I can say is that um, having a Virgo Mars in the um, in the 8th house loves to know everything for its own protection, knowing what is going on around them, you know, it's, it's a Mercury-ruled sign, and so it protects itself through um through what it knows and through its details but it can get too stirred up with wanting to know what goes on and so it kind of affects their health and health is a really big issue that can cause a lot of um can take a really big prominence um because virgo is related to our health and through in the eighth house there tends to be somewhat of um 
a downside um theme to it because the eighth house isn't always pretty um it's one of those houses that you know sometimes it 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 reveals something very penetrating but also you know the eighth house is sort of our shame and what we keep away from people so there's a lot of details in her life that maybe she doesn't want to like put out there um and that you know healing because healing is another important you know aspect of like a virgo um of a virgo mars is sort of that that instinct to heal healing through a really penetrative and transformative way is another way that you can look at it um it doesn't tell me what moon she was born under which i think would be important um But yeah, so she has Pluto in the 10th, and so this makes her very determined. Um, It's also in opposition to her Venus in the 4th, and so when you have sort of that 10th and 4th opposition, it kind of creates the question of family or my fame or this or that. You know, it's sort of like, do I give up, you know, where I come from for what I want in the future, or do I try and balance? And that's the whole thing with oppositions is that, you know, when we have squares, it's kind of hitting you in the face in a very clashing way. But when you have oppositions, the planets tend to be sort of on the same goal, but tend to carry it out in different ways. And so the Venus opposition Pluto is sort of, um, people always like to make Venus Pluto aspects really bad. And it's sort of like everyone likes to make Pluto really bad. But from what I can tell you is that Venus, opposition Pluto, um, there's a kind of like a fear of being taken advantage of and um, fear of because it deals with power dynamics within a relationship or within some type of partnership. And so um, the goal is to not fight against it, you know, and with an opposition within Venus and Pluto, there's either going to be a need to take power or to protect yourself to not be taken control of. So those are sort of the two potential options that can sort of, you know, fortify within that aspect. Um, What else? Okay, so I guess I can go into transits because I think, you know, transits are really interesting. I'm not going to really go over, like, short-term transits because those don't really mean anything but one thing that I'm seeing is that she has um Jupiter transiting through her 10th and so there's going to be a lot of um and it's in retrograde right now so Jupiter retrograde transiting through her 10th soon to go indirect in July or station indirect so there's going to be a lot of lessons and a lot of action needed to be taken within her within her career and her reputations and like, you know, in her adult life right now. And it's going to be eye-opening whether it, you know, collapses or if it rises. Jupiter normally is sort of related to luck or people think that, you know, having a Jupiter transit is going to be really good and it's going to be plentiful. And the thing is, is that potentially yes, but also don't, you know, underestimate Jupiter because Jupiter likes to give you those lessons and kind of give you that wisdom through also fucking up and and messing up so but ultimately you know when we think of you know ariana's you know reputation right now people generally like her and so having that transit and you know through her 10th house kind of gives her you know that sort of likable feel and um 
fans typically you know right now really admire her and sort of her um wanting to be intimate with her fans can also really show um she also has Venus and her north node transiting through the seventh house. So to me, this is really interesting because with the whole sort of, you know, marriage or um, what I would say engagement news about her and Pete really comes out through this because north node is sort of, it represents the, how we articulate our soul's needs to progress in the future. So it's the lessons that we, or what we need to pick up on. Whereas South Node is kind of where we are, um, in some ways, are holding us back and being stagnant. You know, we have to work to achieve our North Node needs. Um, but transiting through the seventh house sort of indicates um, potential um, issues relating to um, partnerships, um, marriage news, Venus also being in the seventh house really indicates a positive time of relationships and romance. Um, and we can definitely see that with her and Pete. And I also want to make a comment that, you know, I don't really know Pete's birth time, but I did kind of, most of his chart kind of falls in her 10th house because he's Scorpio. He has like a Scorpio stellum going on. And so most of his planets kind of fit really nicely in her 10th house. And so there's a lot of... Mm, question about if it's like a PR stunt or whatnot that's none of my business I think usually um 10th house in Sinastri especially with planets falling in there and a stellum falling in there is sort of um it kind of makes the love seem very impersonal because of how open it is in, in the public eye but really what it means is that there's some type of, you know, profit to be made from both of them. It can be very beneficial for both parties. So that's just like a little blurb on like the whole relationship. Because I know people are like, oh my God, you know, I don't really think, you know, Pete and like Ariana really love each other because like they've been dating for how long and the whole thing with Mac. And I just want to make a statement that people really need to not worry about what other people are doing with their lives. Just like little disclaimer don't really worry about what other people are doing because to be honest it's none of your business and that's all I really have to say um let's see what else is going on okay so she has um she has um oh my god let's see what other important stuff is going on okay so she has uh Saturn transiting through her 12th and Pluto kind of making its way slowly um to her ascendant and so with this is a really complicated um segment because you know I'm still in my way understanding Saturn transits through the 12th house but it's a very profound um internal isol like isolation experience um something to be learned from um there's a lot of potential traumatism related to sort of Saturn going through the 12th. And the goal of, you know, Saturn is to kind of teach you something. That's like a lesson-based planet. It's supposed to, you know, punish you in ways, punishment through rewards type system. And so the goal is to be really in sync and really kind of understand your worth in an internal way. And um, doing that inner work. 
because we really kind of focus on the outer work, you know, getting a career all set, doing, you know, doing certain tasks and be on goal, but we never really focus on the inner work. And so that really requires a lot of alone time, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of baggage internally and to kind of expunge yourself a little bit from the world and kind of be um, having alone time for yourself. And it's been transiting through her 12th house for a while because her 12th house starts in Sag. Um, let me see where in Sag. It starts in the 26th degree of Sag. So it's been there for a while. You know, it hasn't recently transited, you know, in her 12th house. It's been there for a while. So she's had some time to herself to really kind of regain focus. And it's still within there. It's still kind of making its way down the 12th house. But with the Saturn in the 12th house makes you stronger. It makes you stronger internally. And that's the whole goal of all Saturn transits is that you have to work with it. Because that's just, it's making you work for something to make you stronger, to make you more successful to make you more of an active person it wants to make you active there's no taking breaks or sleeping around with Saturn you know what I mean it makes you get off your ass and and do what you need to do um and so and yeah um that's all I really have to say about her chart um she doesn't have really any big Aspect. Oh, she does. She has what seems to be, I don't know if it's a Grand Cross or, mm, I don't think so. I don't think it's a Grand Cross. I would have to double check just to make sure, but mm, I, yeah. So that is Ariana Grande's chart analysis. I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, there's some big transits happening, soon to be happening. Her yarn, her, um, Uranus is sort of making its way towards the fourth house. And so as someone who already has uh, Uranus transiting through my fourth house, there's already been major shakeups within my home and my home life. And so wherever Uranus is transiting, it's slow because it's, you know, takes a while to get in there. But when it first gets in there, it's like a major shock. Um, And the change is necessary to move on with your life and to continue to explore and um reach a higher place i think that's the goal with all um outer planet transits is to really kind of progress yourself in the most grand ways so yeah that is um that is all for this episode uh thank you for tuning in and i will see you next week